Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I am really enthused today to have John Gordon on the show. So John is a managing director at NYP Ventures. Uh, he represents himself. He doesn't represent New York Presbyterian Hospital, but he's a man managing director at NYP Ventures, uh, which is the venture arm for New York Presbyterian Hospital. He's going to talk about some interesting things that he's been seeing out in the markets and things that he's passionate about. But more importantly, I'm not going to steal his thunder. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Great, great. Well, thanks for making time. John, tell us about your origin and tell us about how you got started. Tell us about what are the series of events you went through to become the person you are today? Just love to love to hear a little bit more. Well, you know, I, I think someone once said that life is what happens while you're making other plans, and I, and I, and I think <laughs> I'm a, uh, a, a good testimony for that uh, for that quotation. Uh, I've uh, this is probably career number six or seven for me. I've kind of lost track along the way, but uh, <laughs> I you know start off with an undergraduate degree in public policy, so naturally I got a job in finance. Um, from there, uh, ended up transitioning into the dot-com world in January of 2000, so I had impeccable timing, um, and uh, worked at my first dot-com as the first employee, which was a, a, lot, of, a lot of fun, um, and uh, unfortunately it fell apart after about 13 months, uh, but I did have the good fortune of meeting my wife actually through that, through that company, so uh, it was definitely worth, a worthwhile experience. Um, ended up actually working in a bike shop during the sort of post.com collapse. Uh, back to another .com, that one didn't work out. Back to the bike shop. And then spent two years doing nonprofit fundraising before going to business school um, with the express goal of starting my own business. I was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug um, and really wanted to make a go of it. And so actually at, in business school, uh, tried a whole bunch of different business ideas, uh, foods for kids with uh, nut allergies, uh, furniture for uh, uh, sort of higher end furniture for babies. None of those things really coalesced, but they were all interesting ideas that we, I played with along the way. But then as I was graduating, one of my professors approached me and said, look, I got this idea to sell, you know, I think there's a better model for selling durable medical equipment, which is things ranging from wheelchairs to adult diapers to catheters. Um, and I'd actually spent a summer in high school repairing wheelchairs and so knew this stuff uh, and said, you know, let's do this. Um, and so jumped into <clears throat> building what was called Everyday Medical. And the goal of Everyday Medical was to build um, <clears throat> sort of a larger scale distribution model for this uh, DME industry because it was very fragmented. And frankly, if you ask most people even today, if you needed a wheelchair, where would you get one? Actually, these days people would probably say Amazon, but... Uh, 13 years ago, uh, they, they were less likely to say so. And so I think we felt there was an opportunity to provide that sort of standardized, high-quality resource um, for people. And we launched an e-commerce site, so direct-to-consumers to start with, but really focused on acquiring large uh, customers uh, to, as sort of channels to reach uh, memberships and serve their needs. And we actually signed the American Federation of Teachers, which was 1.4 million members, um, and but we signed that contract in December of 2008 and at the time I was kind of 
uh, you know, I said, you know, need to go out and raise capital to, to build a national sales force because their members were all around the country. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked around, made some bunch of presentations and look, it, let's be honest, it was going to be a hard sell anyway. It's not a natural VC model looking back on, but it was December of 2008 and I just didn't realize how bad things were. So, you know, the mm-hmm. company lingered on for about another nine months, but we ended up shutting it down um, and came out of that uh, with besides some hair loss, uh, a, you know, sort of healthy appreciation for the travails uh, of entrepreneurs, uh, even more so than I had in the past. I did also come out of that realizing that I wanted to stay in healthcare. I spent a lot of time answering customer phone calls. I think by, I did a calculation, I think I took 13,000 phone calls somewhere along the way. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, I, I like, you know, the, the, this sort of mission focus of, of helping others. Um, and so I realized I want to stay in healthcare and actually ended up stumbling into the opportunity at New York Presbyterian to join the Office of Strategy. And that was in March of 2010. I actually joined two weeks before the ACA passed um, and joined a group that was at the time responsible for strategic growth largely, looking at opportunities, you know, what service lines do we invest in, what physicians do we recruit. And then once the ACA passed and we sort of, it took a little while to absorb the implications of what was what was happening. Um, but our responsibility and strategy became much more about sort of where's the world going and what did we need to do as an organization in response. And so spent five years, uh, five and a half years working in strategy, doing everything from improving patient access to building our accountable care organization, spent two years working on bundled payments, um, spent years working on genomic medicine, a wide range of topics. I even did speech writing along the way. Um, a lot of, you know, really cool stuff, you know, got to scratch that public policy itch finally, um, after having, uh, had that degree so many years ago. Um, and it had a lot of fun with it and, you know, but along the way stayed in touch with the startup community and mentored for things like Blueprint Health, which was a accelerator here in the city and a various other companies that I'd sort of been in touch with and continued to advocate at NYP for, the creation of a ventures function, uh, recognizing that, you know, we were starting to work with these companies. And in fact, in 2014, we had launched what was then called an innovation center, which became the foundation of what's now our transformation center, uh, which has a larger mandate. Um, and saying, you know, Hey, look, we're working with these companies. We're creating a lot of value, but we shouldn't simply give that value away. Uh, we should, we should be active participants, um, and bring, you know, the most, robust business tools we can to the table to work with these uh, companies. And so we should, you know, we should have a venture fund. We should have a a group dedicated uh, to this and was fortunate in uh, the middle of 2015 to be given the opportunity to create that from whole cloth. Obviously I didn't do it by myself. We're a 47,000 person organization. And and so working with others uh, with transformation, with strategy, with um, legal, with our office of investments, um, a wide range of uh, folks across the organization, we built ventures, um, Starting in 2015, making our first investment in 2016, uh, we ended up making six investments last year, so we're up to nine investments in our portfolio, along with negotiating strategic relationships with companies like Walgreens, ZocDoc, Samsung, and so on. Uh, So a wide range of things that we're responsible for, all which tie to the core strategic priorities of the institution. Um, And, you know, started with a $15 million fund, 
was given another 25 million by our board last year, so we're up to 40 million dollars in commitments by the organization. And um, we actually also had our first exit last year with the telehealth company of Avizia uh, called Avizia that was sold to American Wealth. Love it. I love it. Um, John, this is great. Um, you're seeing so many things and you're voting with your dollars. I mean, what are what are some topics or some some themes and problem solutions that you're really fascinated by, whether it's ones you've invested in or ones you're looking at or just ones that may not be in your sweet spot, but you're just really interested in the 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 solution. So uh, a couple things we're, we're really interested in. I would say to date, the investments have been one in telehealth. So uh, another one of the projects I worked on back in the day was uh, creating our telehealth program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've made a huge effort. You know, we, we started off, launched it in 2016, did 1,200 visits. Uh, 12,000 visits in 2017, 120,000 visits in 2018. Uh, and we're, we're continuing upwards from there. Uh, this year. So we, we've certainly been very focused on bringing uh, quality telehealth resources to the table to enable our clinicians and our staff and uh, t- to do what they uh, do best and also give our patients more options for access to what we do. Uh, so that's been one focus area for us. The second one is leveraging artificial intelligence uh, in a variety of functions. And, and when I say artificial intelligence, you know, a lot of the stuff is actually machine learning. It's not quite as uh, uh-huh. elaborate. Uh, as, as true AI, but some of the stuff is AI. And we, we look at it both on the clinical and on the operational side. Actually, where we think it's furthest along is actually on operational AI. So we've invested in four companies in that in that space. Uh, one is um, a company called LeanTOS, which does lean optimization of capacity-constrained resources like infusion centers and ORs. The second one is Cuventus, uh, which has built an air traffic control system, which we use for uh, optimizing length of stay for patients. The third is a company called WorkFusion, which uses robotic process automation. They're actually not even a healthcare-specific company. They're uh, first and foremost a, a fintech company, but we think they've got the best RPA out there on the market because they layer AI on top of it and allow you to have sort of these robust al- uh, algorithms that are built through the uh, the RPA system, which basically is like Excel macros on steroids, mm-hmm. that will learn as they uh, encounter exceptions and address those exceptions. Um, and then uh, we also invest in a company called Syllable, which has built a language technology interface that works on voice, that works on text, uh, that works on buttons, uh, that we have used to provide a uh, front-end resource to our patients. Uh, to enable them to, for instance, search for a physician or ask what time uh, dinner is served or where a location is, for instance. Um, so it's a, it's, uh, it's a very flexible resource. Um, and we're now deploying that in our call centers as well uh, to give patients a better uh, and faster experience. And then on the clinical side, this stuff is not nearly as far along, but we're, we're very uh, optimistic about it. We've looked at, we've invested in Bay Labs, which automates the acquisition analysis of cardiac echoes. Uh, so I've actually done an okay. echo using their system. It's pretty remarkable, uh, this notion of basically taking your providers, your, your clinical staff, and upskilling them. We're very excited about that possibility so that care becomes more accessible, better detection of early detection of disease. Uh, we invest in a company called uh, Arteris, which we think is the leading company in the uh, cloud-based radiology analytics space. Uh, leveraging AI to do uh, initial diagnosis um, and evaluation of imaging. 
and then a company called Sekara, which we're particularly excited about to provide a voice interface for, or I should say a voice assistant for physicians interacting with the EMR. Um, we see enormous possibilities there to make our physicians more effective and, and reduce burnout. Um, so those have been, you know, kind of the things we've invested in to date. Um, I can also uh, talk about sort of where we're looking in the future, uh, if you're interested in that as well. That's, yeah, that's what I was curious is, you know, these are paving the way for some interesting phenomenon and possibilities. I'd love to hear a little bit about, yeah, you know, what's the vision of healthcare you see happening in the future? What, what you see, um, you know, coming to fruition that, you know, in your heart's going to happen. So, you know, there's the difference between the short term and the long term. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is in the shorter term, we're very, you know, we see uh, enormous possibility in remote patient monitoring. And that's everything from better diagnostic devices, such as what we were talking about with Bay Labs, mm -hmm. to uh, this new generation of wearables. You know, the mobile revolution has made sensors much cheaper, uh, much smaller, much faster, uh, much lower power. And so you have these, uh, this incredible ability to take these sensors that you know, didn't, weren't even possible a few years ago and make them ubiquitous. So we're, uh, we're excited about the possibility there, although there are still very significant questions that remain about how these things, how this data fits into workflow. So that's, uh, that's something we're still working through, but we're excited about those possibilities. Um, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity from a digital therapeutics point in the sense that I, I do believe that digital therapeutics will transform the way care is delivered. There's, uh, you know, we've done enormous things from a biochemical standpoint, you know, as pharma companies and then, you know, surgically and things like that. Um, but the, the sort of notion of the brain is sort of a wet, gooey computer that can be in some ways reprogrammed is something we're only beginning to explore. And I think there's some companies out there that <coughs> have a very compelling um, promise, whether that's paratherapeutics or some of the companies like Applied VR, that, that have some very interesting, uh, you know, starting to be FDA approved therapeutics that leverage uh, digital technology to actually make interventions, whether it's addiction, whether it's pain management, uh, whether it's behavioral health. Uh, some some very interesting opportunities there, um, although still early um, and hasn't, I think what, what still remains to be determined is how those things fit into workflow. Uh, what, uh, you know, how do they get prescribed and, and how do physicians think about how they work in conjunction with biochemical therapies. Um, and then we're also very interested in VR from a training standpoint as well. I think there's an enormous opportunity there to to leverage uh, the same sort of notion of neuroplasticity to um, make our uh, provide more educational resources to our clinicians um, as they go through their regularly standard uh, required trainings as well. I love it. I love it. I, I'm curious on the VR side. Are you seeing in any platforms really kind of emerge that are promising? That's. I, I got to be honest. I, I think one of the interesting things about VR is that. Um, the hardware companies have started making significant gains, although, you know, Oculus obviously got bought by Facebook, but, right. uh, you know, but even in the gaming space, they haven't been fully adopted. I think partly because a lot of them are still tethered to heavy gaming laptops, but I think right. you're starting to see that being, uh, that being less of an impediment now with some of these freestanding um, devices, which is, is a big step forward in terms of, you know, being a platform within healthcare, I think it 
it still remains to be determined. I think, you know, unlike in traditional pharma where you can say, I'm going to work on addressing one particular disease with one particular compound and I can build an entire business around that and sell it for a lot of money. You can't charge a million dollars for, you can't even charge $50,000 for digital therapeutic, or at least I don't right. think that. Um, so the business model is different. And I don't know what, I don't think anyone has a good sense of what the business model is. I know pharma is trying, you know, I get the sense that pharma is trying to make it work with the biochemical side of things. So pill plus right. device. Right. Um, or pill plus digital intervention, but until some of that gets a little bit clearer, um, and you know, I don't, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure what the catalyzing event will be at the moment. Um, it's hard to point directly to what the investable opportunity is. Yeah, yeah, no, That's absolutely. We shouldn't look for to do that. To we shouldn't pursue this for the purpose of treating our patients. I think there's enormous potential for patient treatment. Right. Um, it's just, you know, in terms of me as an investor deploying, you know, our, our institution's dollars, I think that's perhaps going to be a bit slower. Yeah. I mean, I think no matter which way you cut it, you know, a lot of the phenomenons you're citing, right, are, they're all kind of like next generation related to biometrics behavior. And obviously, like the societal shift of reality is, is kind of changing, right? And VR, AR can, you know, a lot of these combinations can change behavior in combination, which is, which is pretty fascinating. And so, you know, we know that there's of, of, of possibilities here. And so it's just, it's, um, it's really interesting to, um, it's really interesting just to hear you speak about, uh, some of these phenomenons, right. And it's all kind of coming together and, and probably, um, maybe not as fast as we all think, but we're going to turn our heads probably in five or 10 years and a lot of this stuff is going to be in place. Right, John. So, um, but, uh, I guess, uh, this is, well, first of all, I want to be sensitive to your time and this has been great kind of, you know, hearing your origin story, hearing what you're passionate about today and what you're, you know, investing in, but what you're looking for, you know, in the future as well. I guess, John, you know, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they'd like to interact with you, like on social media and, and such? I, I got to admit, I've, uh, I've withdrawn a little bit from social media, uh, mm -hmm. And I was I was spending more time than I wanted to, uh -huh. and it wasn't particularly productive. Um, but I am available on LinkedIn. But to be honest, um, you know, if uh, I'm, uh, we're always reachable at uh, <clears throat> nypventures at nyp.org, uh, or you, you're welcome to ping me over LinkedIn um, and uh, you know and, and send things our way. You know, we're always happy to talk to people who are looking to. Uh, drive healthcare forward. I will say, you know, um, and this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on record of saying this in other contexts. I think it's always important to know your audience. And, uh, you know, look, we're a hospital system, we're a large academic medical center, and we're very focused on the inpatient uh, context. Um, and we get, you know, pitches for things that are very outpatient focused or things like mm -hmm. that, that just don't fit very well with what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would certainly, while I welcome the opportunity to talk to anyone, uh, I would certainly encourage everyone to look at, you know, our website, which is nypventures.org and, you know, the other information out there about what we've done and, you know, what I talked about today and, you know, uh, just you see if it makes a fit because I don't want to waste anyone else's time as well uh, if, uh, if it's not a productive thing for them either. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
John, this is great. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your focus and your passion with us. This has been phenomenal having you on the show, and this was, this was great. Really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much.